that we've been studying and turn to chapter 27, beginning with verse 27 tonight. Matthew chapter 27, beginning with verse 27. And it starts, says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had planted a, corn, a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Uh, and we just finished reading up to verse 31. Uh, verse 29, I should say. So it says that, I want you to capture uh, this picture here. You know, you know what words do? Words always paint us a picture. That is the purpose of words. If I say a car, it will paint a picture of a car to you. If I say a tree, it will paint a picture of a tree to you. So as we're reading what happened to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we're going to have these words paint pictures for us to make us not only acknowledge, but also appreciate the degree of, of horror and terror and abject disdain that he suffered from the hands of those who were sinners. You know, it's amazing the one that was innocent was being treated as being guilty by those who were guilty who were appearing to be innocent. That's exactly what was going on. So reading this, they say that they're mocking him and telling him that hail king of the Jews. Yeah, Mike to uh, Brother Chestnut. Well, we know the Lord will get his glory. Yes. So I've read this several times, and when they talk about them, they bowing and saying, "Hail, mm -hmm. King of the Jews." Yeah. They were literally bowing. Oh well, to praise the, King the Lord. Of the Jews. Praise the Lord. They still was bowing to him, but they didn't know it. Praise the Lord. They was bowing to him. That, that's very good. Uh, that's very good. And, and indeed, the Scripture bears this out. Go to Philippians chapter two, and let's pick up from verse nine. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, Wherefore, let's start from verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he, Jesus, humbled himself 
and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's what we are about to read here. And in response to uh, Brother Chestnut's uh, remarks, let's go to verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. Then the next verse says, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of the things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth. Next verse. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Say, so indeed, you write that the day is coming, that every knee, every tongue, will declare that he is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes people don't appreciate what it means to say that Jesus is Christ. It's a big thing to say. It's the biggest thing in the universe to say Jesus is Christ. Because to say that he is Christ is to say that he is the anointed one. Now, even though in English we don't say Jesus is the anointed one, we go straight to say Jesus is, is the Christ, but he really means, it really means Jesus is the anointed one. What does that mean? It means he is the person that was the embodiment of the power of the ability of God that will not only remove burdens in the lives of people, but also destroy yokes. He was the embodiment of it. And I often say this, that this anointing is what makes God, God. The anointing is a unique heavenly substance that makes God God. That's why whatever God encounters as a burden, the burden will be removed and the yoke will be destroyed. Whatever God encounters, that thing can never prevail against God, can never overwhelm God, can never destroy God. Indeed, what's in him or on him destroys what comes against him. The Bible speaks of him, of God, as the, the uh, all-consuming fire. The anointing is like that. It's all-consuming fire that removes burdens and destroys yours. And so God chose over the time before Jesus came to give a dab here, a dab there, to certain people to enable them to do the work that he purposed them to do. But until Jesus came, when the work was done, that dab was taken away, was taken off them. You remember the story about, about Samson? How Samson had this anointing upon him that he could 
killed that many enemies and, and, and destroy those who had come against uh, Israel because of what was on him. But when he violated that which was on him, when he wanted to go out like he used to, he couldn't because it was no longer there. Remember the story? However, I'm saying this to say, under grace, we are like the Father God, have this anointing in us. So that means that whatever burden we encounter, that burden can be removed based upon what's in us. Whatever yoke that we encounter, that yoke can be destroyed because what's in us. Because it's the same. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. And it says, For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. Next. Now he which established us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. He who hath anointed us, you and I, is God. Did you hear this? The, the same anointing, because let's look at the scripture again. It says, now, uh, verse 21 now, it says, now he which establishes or establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. So what's in Christ is in us, was in him as to what makes him. That's why his name is the Christ. Sometimes we say Jesus Christ, but it is Jesus the Christ. And the is a definite article that identifies someone exclusively. So if Jesus is the Christ, and the Christ you have been by God has put you in the Christ. If Jesus is water and God puts you in water, guess what? You get wet. And that wetness enables you to remove burdens and destroy yours. And you ask yourself the question, if that is the case, how come it doesn't happen to us when we want it? Well, the reason is simply, can you believe that? Because right now, if we ask people today, do you believe you are anointed? You know what they will do? They will look at themselves first to determine whether they indeed are anointed or not. We just read here, it is God who anointed us. If you didn't have anything to do with the anointing, what makes you that you can do anything about it in terms of you can make yourself anointed? You follow? <coughs> Excuse me. So then, if we accept that we are anointed, and we accept that the purpose of the anointing is to remove burdens and destroy yokes, Isaiah chapter 10, let's look at verse 27. Isaiah 10, 27. <coughs> it says this. That and we're going to pick up the B part. It says that, well, let's read, uh, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of what? 
the anointing. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Because of the anointing that will be put on you, in this case in us, in those, case, in those days it was put on them. We have it in us. It's in us and it's also on us. If you speak in tongues, you baptize in the Holy Ghost, you have the anointing on, even as you also, when you get saved, you have the anointing in. But many people who don't believe the anointed, they don't believe it because they think they have to qualify for it first. God is a qualifier. And if God qualifies you, just accept it that you are anointed and live your life as that. What if you mess up? Because people take, uh, compare or they seem to <coughs> uh, see as, excuse me, as a synonym, the anointing with holiness. Believers don't believe that indeed they are holy. But the Bible says they are. You are holy and you are anointed. You are holy and you are anointed. I say you are holy and you are anointed. Thank you. You are holy and you are anointed. And the person who made you holy made you holy not because you qualified, but Jesus qualified you to be holy. Mm 